0: So today I'm really um, excited actually to be here talking to Romania. Hello Romania, how are you?
1: Very good, how are you? Good,
0: I'm fantastic, thank you. So I'm a really huge fan of your products and take them a lot. Uh, I think they're they're genius actually. (laughs) And um, yeah, I've wanted to speak to you for a while but for one reason or another we haven't managed to make it happen. Um, Do you want to start by... Telling us your um your story and how you got into the Chinese herbalism to start with.
1: Yeah, thanks, Katie. Uh, I think it has to do with some magic and some serendipity and <laughs> very happenstance. Actually, <laughs> um, I do believe in you know previous lives, so um, I'm under the uh, uh, pretty pretty uh, strong uh, conviction that uh, I've been doing this for a long time, oh. uh, and I was. I was told that when I was young I didn't even have a clue what that was about at that time um so uh it's pretty much uh, under my fingernails pretty good at this point um and uh i I love what I do I guess I'm one of those um oh, maybe i don't know would you call them one per cent one percenters in the world who are actually being, uh following their passion and wouldn't change it for anything, uh-huh. and it's very very fortunate for that in this life um didn't you know I didn't know that I was uh, there was something about Chinese culture that was uh, had this mysterious allure for me whenever I would see anything and when I was growing up in Kentucky that had to do with Chinese culture particularly mountain monasteries I would get the shaky feeling oh. and uh, so years later that I was told um, by a psychic that I had been a Chinese medicine man uh, that was when I was 21 I was told that uh, I was given the year and the date and uh, then I looked up this guy, and I found out he was a pretty famous doctor from China named oh, yeah. Li. Yeah, Li Shizhen, uh was his name. And it uh, it appears through various uh, indications uh, of many people, uh, uh, psychic channels, and uh, telling me without my uh, you know yeah. without my um, that uh, that uh, appears that uh, that was oh, my previous thanks. life. Uh, that's that's a humbling thought because he was a very great doctor. When was he alive? Fifteen eighty uh, was the oh. year that he finished writing a very important materia medica, and that was the year that I I was given that I had, had lived when I was twenty one. I was told I'd been a Chinese doctor living in fifteen eighty. Yeah. And then then when I searched further, uh, then my astrologer recently told me, uh, "Hey, you know, your chart shows that uh, you, you told me you were a Chinese doctor once." and I said, "Yeah, it looks like it." And she said, "Well." You weren't just anybody. You were you were a very very famous Chinese doctor. And I said, really? So I went to Google and put in Chinese doctor fifteen eighty, and that's when Li Shizhen came yeah. up. I didn't really believe it. Still, I had had you know hesitation of thinking, God, you know. But then I, I found. I said, well, what I have to do is find a copy, of an English translation of his *Materia Medica*, and look at it and see. So I went to a, um, a Chinese medical university and I found a English translation of his *Materia Medica*. And when I opened up the uh, first book of it, which is an overview. It was almost literally to the T, to the wording, to the phrasing, to the style of writing, to the content, everything. It was my book I had already written called wow. Evil Thresh. And so that's, <laughs> I, I back to my uh, my astrologer and said, man, I'm having a kind of hard time. And she said, own it, own it, you know.
0: Wow, that gives me chills. <laughs>
1: <laughs> me too, I still, when I think about it, you know. <laughs> um I guess that wouldn't. I mean, for a very pragmatic listener, that wouldn't necessarily uh, provide them the kind of credentials about me that they would. They would want, I guess. But uh, yeah, in this light, I, I, my name's Kate Magic. My name's
0: Magic. They're not following me unless they. Oh,
1: okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know you bring into mysticism and stuff, right? And fairies and everything like that, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. I used to get those books by. What was that guy yeah. Arthur Conan Doyle? You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> about like about fairies in the woods and stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway so yeah in this life uh i've written some books on chinese herbology i met ron T. Garden in 1998 the great master herbalist of my lineage the gate of life i met him in 1998 by a um, total total uh you know like i said it was serendipity uh-huh. but uh uh my my ex-wife who was chinese had, had we'd had his books and we used to make his tinctures okay. and things and his books so i knew who he was and i was a uh, thrilled by him. Um, and then uh, by coincidence, I met him in 1998. And I asked if I could... Sorry, uh, can I you know.
0: just ask you then, did you marry a Chinese lady before you knew that you were Chinese in a past life?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. See, she was the first, she was, she was, <laughs> she was a psychic oracle who told me when I was 21 that I'd been a Chinese medicine wow. man. <laughs> wow. Well, if you want me to go a little deeper, I, I was actually in a, in a rock and roll band. And we were over in London. We, we lived in London. We were called Levi and the rocket. They were, they were British kids, and they had me on drums. They found me in New York.
0: Yeah.
1: And how you know, I wound up from Kentucky in New York City when I was 21, and then I met these English kids. And uh, they were doing rockabilly, and they were they were, they were were bringing the rockabilly thing back. This was in 19—I shouldn't tell. I shouldn't give you the date. <laughs> <was a> <laughs> but anyway, uh, so so uh, we, we were playing a gig one night in San Francisco, and this strange Chinese woman walked up on the stage and asked me, my, uh, my birth date and time and place, and my phone number. And that was all. And then two days later, I get a, a package. Uh, she, she calls me and asks me for my address. Two days later, I get a package in the mail with paintbrushes in it. And so I, I really consider myself an artist, a painter. <laughs> I, I didn't consider myself a musician. This girl didn't know that. So she sends me a box full of paintbrushes. And I'm like, whoa. So I call her up and say, what's going on with this? And she says, well, there's a lot going on with you that I, I need to talk with you right now. And so she came down to L.A. and she's told me all this stuff. Uh, and that was in 19, uh, way back then. <laughs> Uh And so we we went. Uh, we wound up going to China, and we got married. We went to China in 1985, yeah. and honestly we wound up going to all the places where the herbs are harvested. It was uh, very unusual. I, I thought they would take us to the silk factory or the place where they make the you know little statues, but yeah. instead we were, we were herb farms. Every every town they took us to herb farms, and I wonder, God, do these, these people know something about my future or something. Um, and so we, but I, the reverence they paid for the herbs there, it was like I could re- see that it was in their spiritual roots uh-huh. and and that really appealed to me a lot, um, just the unbelievable reverence that the Chinese have for the earth. Uh-huh. And uh, they've been farming the same land for 5,000 years and so we need to give them credit. They're the agricultural masters of this planet and some of the very first horticulturists too. And so, you know, it's it's really a, it was really quite an eye-opening thing to be there in 1985 and see uh, plus, I, I, I when I was up in the town of Jilin, uh we were in an old hotel, and right around back of the hotel there was a dirt alley. And in the night, all these mule carts would roll in there, like really ancient looking carts, it looked like they were made out of, with hatchets and stuff, like all wheels, all kind of going, you know. And and uh, and the mules rolling in there, and there, and, and ginseng roots and everything piled up on the back of the carts. And they would park in the alleys and light a little butane flame for the light. And these little peasant people would sit on the cart all night long with the ginsengs there with mud on the roots still and people walking around buying herbs. And I, I'm an insomniac, so I'd go out there all night. And just, dude, I was just fascinated by this. It's like going back thousands of years in time. And uh, and I was just smitten, you know. So we got back to L.A. and we bought a book by this guy named Ron T. Garden. We started making distinctions. This was in the mid-1980s. And then um, – Sure enough, you know, I came back to Los Angeles and uh, I had a, another book of Ron's that I carried around. Like it was a prize, but I, it was kind of mis- the, the, the herbs seemed a mystery to me a little bit. But I wanted to know. And then one night there he is. I meet him in 1998. I said, Sir, I'm a big fan. He said, Come tomorrow. So I went to his house and uh, he, uh, you know, we had a brief interview. I told him I was into green juicing therapy at the time. I was doing people, uh, doing a raw green juice for people, and I dealt with people who were really sick. And, um, and he, you know, he liked that and everything. And I said, but I want to take it to another level. And he said, well, you've come to the right place. And, uh, and so I wound up becoming his apprentice. Uh, within three days, he hired me. He said, that's the fastest apprenticeship ever in history. <laughs> it's usually a, your apprenticeship that's pretty rigorous. You have to wash my clothes and stuff for two years. But I, uh, I'm going to let you, you know, for after. You know, it's okay because uh, you're a good apprentice. So you're on. So I became his uh, employee. I became his uh, personal team master. For eight years, I cooked all his tea for all his clients. And so the very first day I was with him, um, they took me into a room and there were a bunch of bins there with uh, herbs in them, great big buckets full of herbs. And they showed me that when the, the, Chinese, the doctors of Chinese medicine that worked for him would have a client... They would uh, do their pulse, and then they would make a, a list of herbs with the weights and grams, and they would give me that list, and I would go in and start weighing the herbs out you know, on a gram scale, and I would cook this in a big pressure cooker and seal it in these little retort pouches, little 60, 60 retort pouches, which they would drink two a day, and that was their way of getting their teeth. So we were kind of preparing it for them and sealing them in these little hermetically sealed pouches. And I was doing that work from the day, first day I had – and so the, the very first day, um, at the end of the day, I came out and Ron came up and he grabbed my hand and he looked at my hand and he says, Arr, you've got the dust of the herbs under your fingernails. You'll be a true herbalist. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I went on for eight years as his team master. And so I had my hands in the whole herbs all day long. Um, but you know, his bread and butter and, and was definitely like in in powder, you know, in capsule formulations. Um, so that was where we were mainly sold our stuff. It was convenient. And it was easy for people. And then our connoisseurs would buy the tea, and we'd cook it for them. Yeah. But I got, uh, I just was, you know, so attached with you know, the holding the herbs, cooking them, dealing with their whole herbs that um, after eight years I was with him. And it's curious because you know, the, the apprenticeship is traditionally eight years in our gate of life lineage. Um, And after eight years, um, circumstances started to prevail that that compelled me to leave him. And neither he or I wanted to go. Uh, I wanted to stay with him. He wanted me to stay with him. But uh, circumstances prevailed that said, okay, it's time for me to go out on my own. The minute my feet hit the pavement, I said, I'm staying with whole herbs. I'm going to do whole herb herbalism. I'm going to do little packets of whole herbs. And I went back to Ron and said, Ron, I'm going to continue on doing whole herb herbalism. He said, well, you can't make any money that way. I said, I don't care if <laughs> you're right, <laughs> but I don't care because I, I just, that's, what, that's me, I'm a whole herb herbalist. Um, but I also understand that there's a wave of interest happening now in Chinese tonic herbs, and, and, and there and should be because they're profound, they're safe, they're healthy, they have a massive history and tons of research. And they're adaptogenic, and they, 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 they're, they are a broad spectrum in their benefits, so they're considered more like a class of superfoods than the other more, di- more medicinal type herbs. And that's what we focus on. We focus on essentially making, you know, when I, whenever I make a person a bag of herbs, I always think of it as a big salad bar or a big soup they're going to cook and drink, you know, uh-huh. like that. So It's a whole food thing. But, see, the thing is that um, everyone now uh, is getting uh, – Onto this, and especially those of us in the raw world, in the raw food world, health food world, seeing we're finding out about Chinese tonic herbs and how they can add to our cornucopia of our health. Um, but what I want to stress to people is that um, just taking some astragalus or just taking some rhodiola or just taking some hoshou is, is good along with your diet. But the real beauty of the Chinese Materia Medica is in the alchemy, uh-huh. is in the co- combining. And that's where the history is so profound, is that they figured out, well, if they, put th- if they combine this herb with that herb, the synergistic effect of those two yeah. herbs comes out something slightly different from the effect that you'd get if you just took them on their own. And so this turned into a Materia Medica that is extremely sophisticated. And that's what I like to focus on. My whole herb formulas are based from the Chinese Materia Medica. And, um, and I always say to people, yeah, it's great just to go get some Astragalus and take it, but you're not going to have the world like change. Uh, uh, but if you were to do a formula that uh you know say you wanted to tonify your kidneys or your spleen or your heart and you put astragalus in there with the other herbs that tonified that organ meridian then the astragalus would appear to work even better in its own in its way from what it's purported to do and that's where the beauty comes in and i have an online course called gateoflife.org that goes over a lot of this
0: you mentioned gate of life just now can you tell us what that is
1: the gate of life is the name of our lineage The gate of life is the place that is located at what we call the solar plexus, just between the kidneys. It is at the lower back, behind the spine, between the kidneys. Um, It's considered like a kind of a pot of gold. It's considered our inner star. Um, Because, you know, the Chinese, the ancient Chinese actually saw cosmology and uh, they knew that the earth went around the sun, they knew that there were uh, equinoxes and Uh, factors were involved in this rotational you know uh, ecliptical energy and then they they saw that the human body is actually is actually a microcosm of the larger macrocosm of the universe and that in our in our body is the very same kind of things happen as what happens in in the solar system and uh, they thought that we have our own star and it is located at the solar plexus and that is the center of the body between the kidneys and just below the spleen meridian this is the cauldron of life where the grand master messages and the, the uh, cosmic energies of of starlight and other things are brought are are generated in the body because we have to like look at this and say, "How can the body be a uh, active uh, having act, active metabolic and catabolic processes um when you know it, it can't be doing that on a, on a neutral energy level it has there has to be an infusion of energy, uh, you know. I, I guess you might call it. That's that power of. Uh, they call that the law of uh, of, uh, of uh, thermodynamics. You know, uh-huh. um, and so there has to be some impetus of something, and we think that we're getting that through our food. But how? Where are we really getting it from? It's coming from sunlight, uh-huh. osmosis in the leaves, and that all the way in into our uh, bodies, but we don't just take in the food and, and burn it as fuel. There's actually um, the genetic factor and the endocrine factor and everything. If you start looking at that in the kidneys, you realize that we must be storing some of these, this energy as well for future use. And so when the Chinese looked at the cosmological level, they saw that the luminous body, a star, shine light onto a planet, and they recognized that planet was actually a storage unit of that light. And that's what our body, our body is a storage unit of light. And um, that storage container is said to be the kidneys. And so this is where our genetic information and our uh, family bloodline, uh, all of the uh, imprints of everything that our ancestors did is uh, is in this genetic uh, codes that are the kidneys govern this. And so the kidneys are looked at as like a kind of a bank account that's holding our life potential. Right. So kidneys are related to the body's reproductive forces. And so the kidney uh, meridian is where you have the ovaries and testes and the adrenals. And so the, the kidneys are holding this energy we call Jing. So the, the original sunlight from the star is called Qi, the original Qi. And then some of this is held as this, in this kind of a gold vault for future generations. And that energy is called Jing. And when a human cultivates a lot of Jing, in, in, in their, it's like the foundation of their building is strong. And so they can withstand more, uh, they can adapt better and withstand more extremes. They have healthier children. They can recuperate from illnesses or accidents more quickly. They grow old more gracefully. When they grow old, they uh, still appear youthful. That means you have Jing. And that means your children are going to be healthy. Now look around at the current human race. What happens? there's no sunlight in the food. Yeah. The food's been stripped of it. Just, you know, processed, refined food stuffs, dried out, put into a bag, sitting on a shelf with preservatives in there. When we eat that, we're not any sunlight into, the, into that. We're not feeding the solar plexus. So the, so the light of our solar plexus starts to get dimmer. and When it does, that affects metabolism. The spleen isn't as warm. Then we can't build fresh blood. Women have problems with um, excess menstrual bleeding and anemia uh, and cold hands and feet and lethargy, heavy uh, menstrual uh, stuff, pain and PMS. Uh, guys get flemmy uh, and bloated in our stomach. Our liver gets toxic and our face gets red and we get angry. Um, and so chi has to be coming in and it has to be flowing through the body freely. If it's blocked anywhere, that is every isis and every osis is, is, is blocked chi And that, when that chi is flowing freely and that that flow is coming in via living food, sunlight, you know, positive attitude, physical activity, broad spectrum cornucopia, seasonal, you know, living, then that chi feeds gene. It feeds the battery of that gene so that we are going to age gracefully with youthfulness and our children are going to have gene. Our children are going to be born with a youthful and adaptable and resilient nature, oh, which is, look at the world. What is mo- most important to do right now in the, in the face of the world we face is to make sure our children are going to be able to adapt yeah, and, yeah. And, and withstand the, the stuff that's coming along in the future. And, and they're going to have to clean up a big mess, you know. Yeah. So we've got to give them the gene to do that. <laughs> yeah. So that's why uh, I'm I'm really excited about, you know, helping bring these herbs in along with Ron Teegard and a lot of other masters out there, Daniel Reed, Bob Floss, Ted, Ted Kapchuk, a lot of women. Uh, and, and we want to get, you know, we want to um, bring this in because Jing is a more profound, and Qi, even understanding Qi alone, is a more profound health philosophy than anything we've seen in the West. It's deeper, It's it, it represents our past and our future, as well as our current health.
0: So can I just take you back? Um, you were saying about your green juice. Thing. Can you tell us how you got into raw foods? Because that sounds like that started before the Chinese for you.
1: did. Well, when you ask me any question, you know, I'm a man of stories. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm <laughs> unfortunately, kind of a long explanation here. Um, but in 1994, uh, my brother called me and told me my dad was sick. We'd known he'd had cancer of the... Of the uh, prostate, but, um, you know, of course, the hospital, everybody said they got it all out, and everything's fine, he's fine, he's doing great, he's doing great, and then one day, my brother calls him and says, Dean, dad's not doing well, we got to go see him, so we jumped on a plane, went to Louisville, and um, found him uh, b- pretty much on his deathbed, he, he hadn't told us, but um, it had gone real deep into his bones, and he had gone that, that very, he had gone earlier that morning to get blood at the hospital, so he would have energy to see us, and they couldn't give him blood, because they found out he had a, a fever. So they sent him home and told his wife, who was a nurse, that he was going to die of fever that night. And that's how we found. We came home and found Dad, you know, in bed with a fever, um, pretty much dying. His wife, a nurse, walking the floor, pacing the floor, waiting, you know, looking at the clock. Yeah. Well, we uh, we freaked out. <clears throat> and um, my brother, to his credit, my brother, he said, uh, hey, man, uh, I heard juicing is good. I said, let's go. So we went down to a local health food store, Rainbow Blossom in Louisville. And we started looking through books. <clears throat> I found a book by a woman named Cherry Calbon called "Juicing for Life," and uh, it said uh, how to heal, you know, some sickness through juicing. And so we, wow, okay, yeah. And then uh, we started to power read this book, and I noticed that it said pretty much for every really major ailment, the juices always included a lot of really dark green leafy vegetables like spinach and kale and parsley and cilantro and things like that, beet greens and stuff like that. I would never thought of juicing anything like that. I heard some pineapple or something, you know. But uh, <laughs> I was like, that's that, that's that just has rung a bell. I said, man, if you juice a drink of it, you drink the juice of a some spinach and parsley, that's got to be like powerful medicine. I could just feel it. So we ran to the grocery, and we just went to a regular grocery. We got some uh, regular conventional. Um, we were concerned about how it would taste, so we got – Spinach, parsley, carrot, and we got green apple. Um Cherry Calbaum said green apple uh was good to put in there for taste and that it was less uh, bad on the sugars, so we got that. Went home to make this and I didn't know what it was gonna be. I thought it was gonna probably taste really bad. Uh he had a juicer there, we were making it. His wife was pretty an- 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 antagonistic toward it. Uh she didn't like the idea of it. Um, but we made it and um and I took a sip and I was like, God, this tastes really good. <laughs> you know? I was like even a big ass big glass of it right there and so uh we took it upstairs and we uh we said dad 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 and he kind of woke up a little bit and he mumbled a little mm. said dad we got something for you here we tipped his head up and he took a little sip and his wife said he won't be able to drink that he hasn't been able to eat anything in months because she was trying to feed him some really bad food bless yeah. her heart she just didn't yeah, she didn't yeah, know of course. whether." He didn't know I can't I can't get on a case about it she gave him a lot of love in his battered papers right but um anyway we tipped his head up and we poured a little sip of that green juice in there and he went like this he goes he goes that's good what is that <laughs> and we said and he, and he goes give me some more he drank the whole glass and then he wanted another glass of it yeah. Again, his wife couldn't believe it. We ran downstairs excited, excited. I knew, I knew it was going to help him. How did I know this? I didn't know it. I just knew it, right? And we made him another glass. And he fell into a a kind of a calm sleep. And that night, he broke the fever. His wife couldn't believe it. Uh, I was, him, and maybe some prayer was helping too because we were all praying. I was praying, holding, and praying. And uh, he came through, and he broke the fever. And his wife, the nurse, she says, it's a miracle, it's a miracle. Well, we all went to sleep. Next day, woke up, we hear his bell ringing, run up there. He's sitting up in bed and he goes, what'd you do yesterday? What'd you give me? I said, just some juice. And he goes, give me another one of those. So we went back. (laughs) Long story short, in four days, he was up walking around. He had big, ass, big, big pink uh, spots in his cheeks here. And, um, And his hair was coming back. His life and his eyes were coming back. Uh, and, and, uh, he just was alive again and his buddies, his pals, all his playboy buddies were like coming to me going, man, whatever you're doing, keep it up. We never seen him like this in a year, but his, my, my family, bless their hearts. They, they were still in denial and his wife was in denial and she started to fight me. Um, because I guess she was jealous or something. I don't know or whether, uh, but at one point he went and threw all his drugs down the toilet. Um, we gave him a shower, um, rubbing down and baking soda to get some of the radiation out of his body. I heard uh, Edgar Casey had said that helps. And we took a walk in the sun. Um, and so after four days I had to come back to LA and I really wish I wouldn't, I really didn't have to come back, but his wife wanted me out of there so bad and we were about right to strangle each other. And, uh, and I felt like, I felt like I got into to kind of a threshold. See? Yeah. And I said, well, I, and, and I went to him, I said, dad. And he goes, I'm on this natural stuff, man. I'll I'll stay on this. I, I feel great. I said, Dad, if, if you know, will you will you make the juice? If 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 she won't make it, will you make it? And she and I went to her and she says, Oh, I'll make him that. I, I believe you now. You get on out of here. I believe you. And so somehow though, I, I didn't. I, you know, because when people are under, in a certain state of disempowerment, they might say they want to they want to do something they like it, but then actually doing it is too difficult. Yeah, They're too weak. Yeah. I thought I had him to a point where he could do it on his own, but I guess I didn't maybe two more days if I'd stayed there. But uh they didn't keep him on it. And uh, six weeks later his esophagus closed up and he died of starvation. Um so I came back to LA and and I just was a little, you know, changed by that. And I said, Man, well, I'm gonna start doing that. So I got a I got a blender and started juicing and I started doing everything, man, weeds and uh, you know. Juice and avocado with lamb's quarter with mellow and sturchum chum and uh, dandelion and uh, just everything I get my hands on. Beets, you know. <laughs> it's a funny, funny guy uh, Story, uh, I, I would take the juice sometimes be like with beets and like be red, right? I take the juice and slather all over my head and my hair and everything, right? And, uh, you know, these red drips be coming down my forehead. And uh, somebody knocked on the door. It was a friend of mine's wife. And he's, I opened the door and she's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, you know, I started doing that and uh, I just immediately people started saying, you know, my, my friends started commenting saying, man, what, what have you been doing? You look great. I, I could see it. i would never had such good tone in my skin. I would always had a kind of a ruddy pale complexion. Suddenly I had all this golden tone in my skin and people started coming to me, asking me what I'm doing and they said, I asked if I could help them I said, well, sure. So I started making juices for people. And then one day I sat down with myself and said, okay, this obviously works. I went to the library and looked at all the stuff, you know, Bragg and Jensen and, and Heinemann and all those people. And I said, this is true, Gerson, you know. And I was like, yeah, it isn't just a fluke. These were doctors curing people with this stuff. Yeah. And so I, well, I, I, okay, I sat down and made a deal with myself. I said, all right, I'm not going to charge anybody anything because I don't know anything. I'm going I'm to learn. But I, I, I'll, I'll go with people who are really sick. And I'll go, based on what I, if somebody says something, like I hear somebody say, oh, my, my brother, my aunt, my uncle's got something, is it, sick. I'll offer, and if they accept, I'll go, I'll go to them, I'll take them stuff I'm growing in my own garden, I'll make it, I won't even charge them anything, because I want to find out what happens. So I found up getting about five or six clients, and we're really people, and had a miraculous effect, you are just realizing it's getting them some alkalinity for one, you know. Um, and, uh, then, then what happened was I had a multiple sclerosis and the juice was, was making her feel great, but it wasn't helping the multiple sclerosis. In fact, she felt it was making her freeze up more. She was okay. freaking out. So I freaked out and I thought, my God, I, I thought I had this panacea. Then all of a sudden I thought, Oh God, I'm, I'm just a, a charlatan. I'm one of those, what do they call quack? You know,
0: <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, uh, swamp juice salesman. think. <laughs> And, uh, and so I, 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 I freaked out and I said, I said, oh, I need a teacher. I need a teacher. I need somebody to teach me right now. And I, I set some conditions, you know, I said, but but I want the best. I want to learn the deepest thing there is. And that was the morning of the night that I met Ron Teagarden. Well, I swear. Well. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Amazing. And so uh, oh, now I am still a major advocate of the combination of green juicing and and, and tonic herbal herbal Yeah. yeah.
0: So that's that's, big, that, that's my, my book
1: Healing is all about that.
0: Yeah. That's Plus a
1: big, I'll really, my new bookings, juices and tonic elixirs in it.
0: That's a really big part of your mission, isn't it? To to combine the two together.
1: Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah.
0: So do you do? Uh, how, how is your diet? <clears throat> okay. How what? How raw
1: is oh, your diet? Okay. Well, you know, now that it's winter time, and I say this in my book, Raw Chi, it's not a real good idea to eat all raw in winter, especially for women, especially if you're living in a cold, damp place. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, I'm in California, it's kind of, you know, it's not so bad out here. Last week, by a kind of a coincidence, I wound up eating raw all week, and um, I felt so good. God, I feel, I felt like I lost a little weight. I felt so great. Um, and you know, last night, I think I went to a Thai restaurant and got some like slightly cooked vegetables with some flat rice noodles and that felt pretty good too, but I felt heavier and tired after that. The raw food thing is just so phenomenal as long as you're, you know, you're doing your research and all, but like as I, um, wintertime isn't necessarily ideal for raw food. And that's what I go over in the raw, in the book, raw cheat. And particularly for women, because women can have, um, tend to have what we call a yin constitution. And um, yin is water, and so the raw food diet is a yin diet. It's watery and cool, and so women can build up moisture retention around the hips and water edema if on a heavy raw diet, especially during the winter. And so that's when taking uh, elixirs of herbs that tonify chi and warm the the fire in the solar plexus and in the middle jowl, That's important at that times. That's my product Shapeshifter is for raw foodists yeah. women who yeah. want to stay warm in the winter and. and um, you know, I, a lot of women have responded have uh, commented that it really seems to help uh, keep them warm and uh, keep blood uh, strong and uh, metabolism good. But, uh, you know, if, if I can elaborate for a minute, I, my philosophy uh, is on, on the year, of uh, on the four seasons and on the dietary uh, regimens that best apply to the four seasons could be looked at if we look at the life cycle of a bear, right? Now, let's imagine... It's fall. Let's let's begin the, the life cycle. with fall. In uh, in fall, all of the uh, tuberous uh, vegetables, the the ground, the underground vegetables like onions and other tubers come right. Sweet potatoes, potatoes, wild potatoes, they they come right. They and their their starches start to turn to sugar, and so then the um, the uh, or the sugar starts to turn to starch. That is, I'm sorry, and then the bear can smell this. And so uh, the bear starts to dig up all these tubers and vegetables and it eats its fill. And then it realizes it has more. Um, So, well, under normal (laughs) natural circumstances, it it would have an abundance of these things. And then uh, so that traditionally the bear uh, saw that there was more than it could eat and it dug it up and says, well, maybe I ought to stash all this for another meal. So it goes and digs a hole in the hillside somewhere, sticks all its food in there goes okay that's there and then all of a sudden the cold breeze kind of cold wind comes blowing in and the winter leaves are falling and bear goes whoo i think i'll just get in that hole with my food right and so the bear climbs in the hole with food and covers covers over to stay warm and starts to sleep and every once in a while it wakes up and there's some of its food there and it goes, nom, nom, nom. it's a little of that and then goes back to sleep and in this process it those starches that, that were heavy in that food um Turn into glycogens, and uh, and then in the in the bear's uh, liver, and then the bear stores them as fat. And so then, uh, when the bear then emerges out of the uh, the cave, in when spring comes, the bear has been fattened up a little bit um, um, from eating all that starchy stuff and sitting there, and that got it through the winter. That helped it, you know, extra warmth. Um, and then when it comes out, uh, it's it's a little heavier but there's nothing to eat because it's spring and so all it can do is go drink water out of the stream and maybe eat a little dirt um, and maybe find a few young grasses to nibble on but that's about it. might catch a fish in the spring if he's lucky um, and so the bear then goes on a lean fast it goes on a water fast pretty much in spring and that's when it, it, it winds up uh, metabolizing all that fat that it accumulated during the winter and then in the summer all of the Plants come ripe, all the uh, above-ground vegetables, and the bear has its fill all summer long, keeping its heart cool with those cool vegetables out there, you know, um, keeping cool, keeping moist, uh, vegetables have water, and then, you know, it goes through the, the summer like that, all raw, and then come again fall, it all starts up again. But uh, so it winds up living on stored energy and stored food. So if we look at it like in the spring, we do our green juice fast. Uh-huh. In the summer we go all raw uh-huh. in the fall we go back to some starchy things like uh, pumpkin and uh, uh-huh. you know maca and uh sweet potatoes and yams you know and then in the f- winter is when we start to eat the food we stored all the legumes like black beans and and the rice and black rice and um things that we stored you know that we we dried or pit we pickled or we can you know and um and so that's like legumes and things. So you make a big black bean soup with onions in it and stuff, and, and yams in there for the winter time. You know, <clears throat> put some um, spices in there to warm you up a little bit and everything. And then if you feel like you're putting on a little excess weight from this cooked food in the winter, it's like don't worry about it. You need you yeah. want that little extra. <laughs> Come spring, you're going to do your green juice fast, <laughs> right? <laughs>
0: Great. So can I ask you about some of your formulations? Because they're all um, really interesting. Can we start with Three Immortals? And I always want to know, how do you get Ormus into a (laughs) jar?
1: Well, Three Immortals is... uh, I'm really proud of that. I'm proud that I I came up with it a long time ago. And uh, it does represent a kind of an alchemy now that that everyone's getting interested in. Um, But... um, the ingredients are reishi shilajit enormous. Um, now, many people are getting to know what reishi is, but uh, for those of you who are finding out about reishi, it is uh, a, a mushroom. Um, it is uh, the part of the part used is the fruiting body, which is the part we recognize as the mushroom. And um, this is uh, high in these polysaccharides that support our immune system and regulate our immune systems. Uh, but reishi is also an herb that um, is said to tonify the spirit, so it's very famous for in China for um, helping a person have a very peaceful countenance and a sense of empowerment. When your immune system is powered up, your adrenals are going to be recuperating. And when you feel then spiritual resilience and strength and you feel a purpose, that's all uh, great for your overall life force, your adrenal kidney. And we get brighter. Our light gets brighter. So Reishi essentially brightens your light. It's uh, one of the very, very top tonic herbs in all Chinese history. My new book, Elixirs of Immortality, talks a lot about Reishi. Uh, and so that's there. There's a, it's a 10 to 1 extract of reishi, which means 10 pounds of reishi was, uh, was um, cooked down in a tea process, tea making process, and then dried into a powder uh, to make one pound of the powder. And so that's a very high ratio and a really wonderful, uh, you know, uh, density. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, then Shilajit in there, I also wrote another book, new book called Shilajit, uh, The Resident Life, which is a really fun book, actually, to read, because Shilajit is the top, what we call Rasayan of Ayurvedic medicine, which is the same as calling it a top tonic herb. Uh Rasayan means the same thing as tonic herb. Okay. So Shilajit is the top tonic herb of of Ayurveda, Uh and Shilajit is the the humic acids or humic remains of uh, ancient rainforests. That were sandwiched in as the Himalayan mountains rose up in the Altai mountains of Russia and other high mountains of the world, as they rose up there were other there were there were uh, primitive forests already there, and those forests were sort of rolled in munched into the rock strata as they went up over time and then the the breaking down of all that plant material inside the rock strata over millions of years, and then in the spring, when it warms up, the rock strata cracks and expands a little bit, and some of this stuff uh, uh, Leaches out and sort of, you know, oozes down the mountain as a black, tarry-looking material. And um, long ago, thousands of years ago, people noticed that uh, these monkeys would go eat it. The monkeys were thought to be very smart and agile yeah. Yeah. and adaptable. And so then people started to take it, and it became known as a conqueror of uh, uh, weakness and destroyer, a conqueror of mountains, destroyer of weakness. And, um, and people, as you know, I said in India, they, said they could like run through brick walls and stuff who take it. And I say, hey, don't try and run through a brick wall. Don't, don't take, don't try and run a brick wall, please. But, um, uh, but you know, that's there. And so when you look at Shilajit, it is essentially the whole living ecosystem uh, and, and broken down into its very, very smallest molecules called acids. And um, that is uh, everything. They think um, some, some researchers think that um, every single element in all the periodic table of elements is in it. Wow. Um, wow. The only thing I've ever, ever read about that is considered a panacea pretty much for all, all to any, any, any health issue by the researchers who researched it um, in China and Russia, in particular in Russia and India, of course. Uh, a guy named Goshal, a lot of research, whom I quote a lot in my book. Um, so, that's there, so that's there to replenish uh, the minerals in our body. Um, and uh, these deep humic elements uh, are uh, supplying uh, stuff that's just been missing because uh, we no longer live in, in primitive rainforests where we can just pick stuff and, uh, yeah. you know, and, and eat, you know, things like this, you know, hunter-gatherer lifestyle. Yeah. But steel yeah. almost like allows us to have kind of a hunter-gatherer energy back in our lives yeah. with this full spectrum of material. This is, right. um, right. these materials are very uh, biologically stable. And so that's there. And um, that then amplifies the effect of the reishi. And then um, then uh, uh, ormus is in there too. And ormus, uh, our ormus is uh, mined out of the earth. It is found near crystal deposits. And uh, when an assay was done of it, it appears to be silica. But it appears to be a, a liquid soluble form of silica. So uh, it's referred to as morphosilica. And so uh, it's very important that silica is is absorbable in the body, you know. Um, so I'll say that our, our ormus is probably uh, highest content would be silicates that are, that are water-soluble. But you know when you put crystal or a silica into um, <clears throat> a solution, it amplifies the effects of the other ingredients in the solution. And also silica purifies water. Did you know that you can just carry a little crystal around with you and when you go to a restaurant, you can just drop it in your water glass. It will, uh, it will reconfigure, the reconstruct the uh, molecules in the water. Um, and so, um, in fact, you can, you can even, when you're cooking my tea, you can put a crystal in there in the, while you're cooking it and uh, you'll find that the tea keeps it like twice as long uh, afterward, uh, you know, in the fridge, put that crystal in there. And, and energetically, it's a very powerful thing. So my ormus is a crystal, it's a crystal silica crystal, silk that probably has a lot of other elements in it too, but that's primarily what it does. <clears throat> you know, ormus isn't really a uh, well, very well-regulated substance. Uh, I know <laughs> people who say they're making it from gold, people who say they're synthesizing it from water, people say they're taking very uh, fine, uh, semi, semi-precious stones, grinding them into extremely fine powder, and then praying over it and subjecting it to assume frequencies and all that make Ormus. But uh, it is not, uh, well, I mean, the history of alchemy is that each alchemist does want his or her own license to uh, engage in uh, their alchemical genius and hopefully discover, you know, uh, something that's, like, magical. Um, and so you can't blame uh, people for not wanting to uh, homogenize Ormus into one specific, you know, chemical uh stroke, uh, you know, uh, uh, constituent, you know, but uh, so it's kind of a wild card with, with, with Ormus, Um, you you know, it's a good thing to do your research, where you're getting it from. So
0: does yours come from the States?
1: Hmm? Is yours
0: from the States, is it?
1: Yes, uh, it's mined out of the earth in Washington State. Okay, okay. Yeah. And uh, so when you put all those three together, um, you get a substance that's uh, amplifying uh, the beneficial effects of each other.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So you can take three immortals and mix about a quarter of a tablespoon into a cup of hot water. And it makes a wonderful coffee-like tasting drink, just black. Yeah. I love it. Like, Revolution serves it that that way. And, um, you know, Cafe Gratitude serves it. Uh, with nut milk and honey and a little bit of uh, cinnamon on top, uh, I think it's agave, agave and nut milk and cinnamon on top, uh-huh. and they start, it's kind of a latte drink. And uh, you know, uh, um, I'm really hoping that we get that all over the place, like yeah. these kind of drinks, yeah. and, uh, you know, restaurants, and raw food places, and all that.
0: Yeah. Can I just ask you something you said about shilajit? Because I thought um, that ashwagandha was the top like tonic herb in Ayurvedic medicine. Is that wrong?
1: No, it is. It's the top tonic herb in Ayurvedic medicine, yes.
0: Ashwagandha?
1: Oh, ashwagandha. Uh-huh. I thought I'm about shilajit.
0: No, you said shilajit was, but I thought it was ashwagandha, so have I got that wrong, Or is it both? Uh, no,
1: ashwagandha is uh, is up there. It's considered a, uh, a rasayan, too. It's considered uh-huh. a tonic herb. Um, it's considered somewhat like ginseng. Um, I can't really speak very authoritatively about uh, about uh, ashwagandha because I haven't really studied it real heavily yet. <clears throat> but it seems like a very good thing. Yeah, any herb that's that's considered a tonic herb is good. So I think uh, go to cola is considered a tonic herb. Uh, Mirinda might be. Moringa, I'm sorry. Moringa might be a tonic herb. Yeah. Mirinda M- M- yeah. M- 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 is a tonic herb too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So can I ask you next about morning jing? Can you tell us about morning jing?
1: Oh yeah, um, morning jing. I'm really proud of it. It. it uh, I My boys wanted to have make
0: it. it. My boys have it for breakfast every day.
1: Oh good. Yeah. What do you, how do you, you put it in a nut milk or something? They
0: put it in their chia. In what? In their chia. Chia milk. Chia porridge.
1: Oh nice, yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, great going in porridges. Yeah. I just did something on Facebook about mixing it into oatmeal. Um, well, okay, so <clears throat> Morning Jing is based on a, a Korean tradition of using um, a, a combination of black beans and black rice and black sesame. And th- they usually use a lot of other stuff. They'll use white beans and coics and, and brown rice and, and things like that, sweet rice. But um, when I looked at that tradition, I said, well, I'll go with all black foods because. Black foods that tonify the kidneys. Uh-huh. And um, so, black foods are youth and longevity foods and re- rejuvenation foods. Um, the Chinese believed that foods that were black went to the kidneys because they looked at the kidneys and said, Well, the kidneys are kind of dark colored and they're down there where it's dark <laughs> in the body. Right. So, if we eat stuff, maybe it'll go down there. And they were right. Yeah. Uh, black Black pigments have a lot of molybdenum and zinc and things that are important for the kidneys. Uh-huh. And so uh, foods that are black in color are very important as youth longevity rejuvenation foods. Like hosho Wu is considered a black herb. Uh, Ramani is considered a black herb. So uh, my morning jing is made with black foods. It's black bean, black rice, black sesame, hosho Wu. And then we roast our maca because um, we, we believe the maca needs to be gelatinized and not, not raw. And uh, that makes it somewhat of a black food too. And uh, that's in there along with a little bit of um, palm, uh, coconut palm sugar. And uh, we did have bee pollen in it, but we're taking it out because bee pollen is getting uh, rare now; it's getting hard to find. Okay. Uh, and so um, that is that is the product. And it um, the bean and, and the beans are rendered into a, a method where they don't produce flatulence. and uh, it is a, a completely liquid soluble, um, you know, a rend- rendering of the bean and rice and sesame. But there's still a whole the whole food in there. So it's not like a protein powder where you have some isolates of protein, which I don't really agree with. The bean and rice does provide a complete protein, but it isn't as high a ratio as a lot of the protein powders. So we can't call it a protein powder. But in my opinion, it probably provides you with as much protein as you need in a day. And uh, it's it's a wonderful tasting thing. It tastes sort of peanutty. The first day I ever made it, I mixed some with some almond milk and took a sip and went, whoa. And I... (laughs) never changed the recipe. One single gram from that yeah. very first. Wow. I, I, I was just, it was so, If I still love it. I'm drinking some right now. Yeah.
0: I put it in chocolate. It, it's, it's
1: really, really good got, in chocolate. Hmm. I yo yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. we've got a, we got a person making a morning Jing bar out here. Oh, it doesn't I'm have amazing. any chocolate. Cause if you mix, if you mix cacao and anything, uh, it just like Cacao just takes over the taste and it just tastes like cacao after that, <laughs> you know. But you can do that, you can definitely throw some, some chocolate powder, cacao powder in there into the morning jing. In wintertime, I've been throwing a little cinnamon in everything I do. Uh-huh. Um, and I I'll sometimes warm the milk up, warm, warm, drink it warm. It's quite nice that way. But um, this is a youth and longevity tonic of the highest order and uh, all safe. Um, it tastes remarkably good. And uh, you just get up in the morning, want a glass, want a glass of it. I, and and sometimes I come home in the evening and I don't want to eat a meal. I'll have a glass of morning gin. I feel yeah. great.
0: So, do you normally just put it in milk?
1: I put it in. I put it in almond milk. Um, that's my favorite. Hemp milk is okay to me. Uh, coconut milk is just too heavy for some reason uh-huh. for me. I can't. Qu- I can't quite uh, take it. I think it might be the the fats in there yeah. or something. I don't like it. But um, I go with the almond milk, and I go with the stuff that's made here commercially. It's, it's a company called Blue Diamond. Uh-huh. I go with the unsweetened one, and I put my own honey in it. I add a little honey in there. Even though Morning Jing has some um, coconut palm sugar, it, it isn't enough to make it like sweet. It's just a little. Uh-huh. And so I add honey in there. <clears throat> but I have that pretty much every day now for the last seven years or so, and I really attribute it to yeah, uh, what's yeah, going yeah. To- And can you tell us a little about clear yeah, yeah, you're, you're talking about all my big three there. Um, <laughs> secret. Um, again, there's kind of a story behind it, but um, it was around 2007, right at the time I was getting ready to leave Dragonhurst and go on my own. I was working on a farm, and that's when um, the United States was bombing Iraq with nuclear weapons. And Israel was bombing, uh, at the time Israel was bombing, uh, not Palestine, but they were bombing Lebanon. With and I was I was under uh, the I'm impression there were also nuclear warheads there depleted uranium, so I got really worried about <clears throat> depleted uranium in the atmosphere, and I thought, my God, we got to do something uh, to prepare for this. So um, I went and looked at some research that was done um, after Chernobyl in Russia, where um, they had uh, taken some j- uh, Japanese. Research after Hiroshima, and then the Russians figured out how to apply it in, in Chernobyl. And then what they did was they found a, a certain type of uh, <coughs> kelp called Laminaria japonica, and they figured out how to ferment it in a special way <coughs> that brought out um, these constituents called laminarian. Uh, I'm sorry, it's a fucoidin and uh, fucoidin and modiflan. Um, and these are. Um, chemicals in seaweed that can latch on to heavy metals and radiation and prevent their reabsorption so that you chelate them out of the body and uh the russians apparently had a lot of success after chernobyl in helping the people there with this fermented seaweed and so uh, a bunch of products came out in the nutraceutical world called uh, laminarian and and, uh, i'm sorry uh, fucoidin and uh, modiflan to help with this and then i thought at the time i was like well why ferment the seaweed and then dry it out and and uh encapsulate it and everything, why, why not just keep it in its fermented, fermented form, raw? And then uh, I found out that the Japanese uh, had also been using miso with it. So I thought, well, I'll just mix the two together. And then I did a little research and found out that turmeric and black pepper make a very powerful. And then there's raw apple cider vinegar. And the raw apple cider vinegar is, is in order, is there in order to keep it in a fermentation medium. Um, and so it's a it's an active fermented live living product of uh, a fermented laminaria japonica seaweed with chlorella fermented chlorella too, uh, and you know the cell wall of chlorella is very very hard to uh, for us to digest. I think when we eat chlorella, we might not even really get much out of it. To tell you truth, we probably poop most of it out. Okay. So you have to actually ferment chlorella in order to make it. Uh, yeah. hmm So that's in there in a fermented form. This wow. is a fantastic thing to take. Um, I take a scoop of it, a spoonful of it at night, and, and, I, and, and put it in my mouth and, fall, and, and chase it with some water and swish it around, swallow it before I go to bed. And it's really helped with frequent urination because of all of the minerals in the, uh, the miso um, really helped me not have a frequent urination in the night. And so I don't have to get up and use a bathroom yeah. as much. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, it's just, it just feels really good. It, uh, it's alkalinizing for the body. And um, you can't remove radiation and metals quickly. It takes years. But uh, taking this on a regular basis as part of your diet is, pro- is probably a very good idea in today's world. Amazing.
0: And then, just to finish, on, maybe I can ask you about Romania <laughs> and why why you chose the name Romania. Why is it <laughs> special to you?
1: Well, I had a very uh, big a momentous. Uh, occasion in my life, um, I had just finished writing Healing Thresholds, which took eight years, and I got invited to go to the Eden Hot Springs retreat in um, 2009, and I went over there, um, and uh, I met David Wolf there. He was there, and we got along. We wound, up, we wound up making a video that's on YouTube. You can see it if you put in romani with David Wolfe. Uh, it's him and me sitting outside at Eden Hot Springs. And I gave a, a very, very uh, good, concise download of the alchemy of, uh, to- and the philosophy of tonic herbalism in that film. And uh, so I would, I'd like to, you know, suggest uh, anyone who's interested in in uh, continuing to look into my work. Uh, that film is really awesome. It's a good, you know, balanced yeah, it. Yeah. And, uh, anyway, I met him there, and um, and so uh, one night we were in the night we were having a, a, a sweat bath, yeah, and we were in a. We were in a sweat lodge. He, him and me and Carrie Dancing Butterfly and about 10 other people in a sweat lodge. And Carrie, it was either Carrie or him, I think it was Carrie, held up a, a shaker thing, like a Native American Indian uh, drum shaker thing, and said, and said, Anyone can take this and make any kind of declaration. You just say, Aho, and bang, t- t- tell us what you want to say. And I grabbed it first and I said, Aho, my name is Romania. <laughs> and just, <laughs> and just I was like, Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it happened.
0: Wow. <coughs> so, can you tell us about the actual
1: herb? Herb. I mean, I love. I love. Romania is. Uh, I guess Romania does represent me pretty good because it's. Um, it has um, a lot of uh, uses, and um, and I'm I'm a pretty versatile guy in many ways. I'm an artist and musician too, and so I have a lot of hats I wear, uh-huh. and and uh, Romania has a lot of hats. Uh, but in Romania, in its um, in, in, in in prepared form where it's um, steamed with wine and some kind of secret process in China, it makes a tonic to the kidneys, but it's also a blood tonic. So it's very good for women in blood-building formulas. Uh, so it, it, it winds up supporting the spleen meridian and the kidney meridian. And I think it acts as an inter- interface between the two to, to nourish the blood okay. there. It's a great – it's one of the top tonic herbs for sure. The only thing about – the only contraindication is known – with Romania, is that if you took a lot of it, just ate it on its own, or it took a lot, you can apparently get a kind of a loose stool out of that. Uh-huh. It's it's said to be a slippery herb, but um, in, in its in its tonic form, um, it's a great longevity tonic. They call it the kidney's own food. It's a, a great longevity and renown. Uh, it is a black food too, uh-huh. and and uh, Romania is also used in its raw form. And it is not a tonic herb in its raw form. It's considered a regulating class herb. Okay. <clears throat> It is used to cool heat and uh, hot flashes. Uh, it's used in uh, menstrual uh, formulas for hot flashes. Yeah. It's, used in, it's used when someone's trying to cleanse their liver so that the liver heat doesn't rise up and cause them to get a, a, a proverbial hothead. Uh, for men who, got, who are angry, who have a red face. Uh, for people who have acne, um, that's all rising uh, liver and stuff from the kidneys, sometimes the lungs. Is uh, involved in acne because uh, the, uh, the, lung the lungs and the skin work together to purge toxins, um, and the sebaceous oily glands around the face are an easy place for the body to get rid of toxins. Yeah. So they'll um, via the lungs or the liver out the skin. But um, it's better. You see, the Chinese don't say, "Oh, well, let's suppress the, the uh, body's attempts to get that out by you know having a big zit occur." Uh, <laughs> let's not press that. Let's just figure out a way to get the body to get rid of that, that via the normal limited eliminatory channels, you know, <laughs> you know. And so it's like there are herbs like bupleurum and uh, that that dredge the liver of toxins and help to send it out. Then when you would use raw Romania in a formula with bupleurum to make sure that liver heat doesn't rise up and cause irritability or acne, to make sure that it goes out via you know feces and urine, get rid of it that way. <clears throat>
0: Do you use it in any of your products?
1: Yeah. Um, well, my whole art formulas. Uh, the the first chakra. No. Uh, the the second chakra formula has Romania because the second chakra is where the kidneys are, and that's youth, yeah. longevity, fertility. The third chakra formula has Romania. Um, that is the only place I have it in any of my products. I'm I'm actually uh, coming out with a new longevity powder mix. Uh-huh. It that has that's going to have Romani and hosho Wu and uh, uh-huh. some other things, but I haven't the, got that
0: the formulas you just said are they the tea's the loose tea's or is that something
1: yes yeah. yeah herb formulas my shopper three and shopper two formulas uh-huh. and the radiant women formula uh has it, and um I think that I think that's all yeah Brilliant. yeah,
0: so how many books have you written now?
1: I've got five uh-huh uh. First was healing thresholds, and then I, um, right after healing thresholds, I channeled a, a fabulous uh, novel, which is my favorite book. I think it's my most—I'm most proud of it of everything I've ever done. It's called the Hessian, uh-huh. and it's a novel that I channeled. That I—I'm—I'm I'm, um, I'm, I'm so excited for humanity to read it. it
0: <laughs> what did you say it's called?
1: It's called the Hessian. Hessian means the mortals.
0: Sorry, next.
1: H S I E N Hessian. What does it mean? It means the immortals. It's a Chinese word for immortals. Yeah. The very first, the first city, Xi'an, is is based on the word Hisian and the the first Chinese people, Han people, who were thought to be immortals are are, are called Hisian and the book's called the Hisian, It takes place in the future, um, and it's about some children who come from the Hisian tribe, and they they bring that wisdom back. Um, they they face a very uh, formidable uh, antagonist in the book. Um, which is essentially the last holdout of our current society. Yeah. Uh, they're li- they're living underground at that point, and they've uh, they got a pretty militant idea about what they want to do with the mountain children. But uh, it's uh, it's there's there's a there's a pretty big drama that occurs. But it, it's got messages about how we're going to move forward. And um, I got a lot of evolutionary downloads while I was writing it. Yeah. were Really. And so that book came second. Um, I really didn't even intend to write it or want to, but it just was like I was just had to. It was yeah. compelled to. And so then, I, um, <clears throat> that, then after that, um, I took some time off to try and you know shop those. And eventually, um, I met uh, Daniel um, uh, Pinchbeck, and he really liked Healing Thresholds and wanted uh, his new publishing company, at Revolver, who's part of North Atlantic. He wanted them to uh, put it out. But then when they reviewed it, they, they got back to me and they said, they said hey, man, um, there's too much information in this book. <laughs> they said, do you think you could possibly just publish part of it? And I said, yeah, I can consider that because I had just done a video with Dara Dubonetta on raw chi. Yeah. And it's, it's really popular. So I said, well, I'll follow up on that. Based on the popularity of my video, I'll write a book called Raw Chi. Uh-huh. I used uh, segments uh, that, that I had already written in Healing Thresholds uh, to make the basis of that book. And so then um, I got that published, and now um, you know there's publishers interested in my stuff. But uh, then um, in the process, I was writing a book on shilajit, which I finished about two or three years ago, but never did anything with it until now. I finally I finally self published it, and that's a fun little book if you're interested in it. shilajit. It's a fascinating substance. And then um, I just. I don't know. I just since I'm living up here in the mountains, I cranked out this new book called "Elixirs of Immortality" that I really love, and that's the one I'm you know talking about most right now. But yeah, I'm pretty fulfilled on that. I am. I think I'm being told I have to write one more, and that's going going to be called "Essential Jing." It's going to be about Jing, Um, and I already have most of the material in Healing Threshold, so it's just a matter of compiling and doing a little uh, extra work. And so that's hopefully my last one.
0: <laughs> oh, I never say that. <laughs> right,
1: right, right. right. <laughs>
0: Brilliant. Well, that's so much information, and it's been so fascinating. And I'll link to, I think we've got all the books on the website, haven't we? And
1: Yeah, everything's on my website. I think you all have them all over there.
0: Yeah, I'll link to both. I'll link to them both. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for your time, Romania.
1: Oh, I want to get over to England someday again. I love it there.
0: Yeah, you should. London's. (laughs) Uh, Last
1: time I was in London was uh, 1998. Had a blast.
0: Oh, you're well overdue then.
1: Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get me back over there. I'll do some kind of a lecture or something or workshop over there with you guys.
0: Yeah, brilliant.
1: Sounds great.
0: (laughs) All right. Thank you.
1: Thank you. See you later.